Hello everyone and welcome to episode 26 of season 1 Reading with Grace, where we are continuing to read The Unwanted's Island of Fire. Today we will be picking up from chapter 7, but first, as always, a quick recap of chapters 1 through 6. Artemis is looking pretty bleak with everything gone after Mr. Today died. The Unwanted's are still stuck with almost no food or water, and Alex is constantly trying to figure out Mr. Today's last clue. The names of the silence were figured out by guessing to be Sky and Crow. Aaron is now the leader of Quill and still figuring out how to run things while also fighting Artemis. Gondoliri has a plan to take over Quill with her magic as soon as the time is right. Samhead and Lonnie are still stuck together on Warbler, unable to speak, hear, or see anything, and wondering why no one has come to rescue them. In the meantime, they've created their own language by softly hitting one another by letters in order to stay sane. Claire is still being held hostage, but has discovered that Gunnar is also being held in the same house as well. That's the end of the summary. Enjoy the episode! Seven, Descent. The next day, Alex was no closer to a solution. While seeing Megan, Henry, and the Silence began stacking frozen creatures to make a stairway to the top of the wall, Alex made the rounds of the Unwanteds, trying to boost morale and offer help in any way he could. We need more water, grumbled a woman on the beach. The ration you're giving us is worse than in Quill. I'm starving, a man said. I haven't eaten a thing in two days. This place is a disaster, voiced a group of unwanted boys from Alex's ear. A few of them jeered. Cole Wicket took Alex aside. Come on, Alex, he said earnestly. You've got to do something. People are going to leave, you know. Alex pressed his lips together. So far today, he had taken a number of verbal beatings from the people of Artemis, and he was beginning to feel defensive and desperate. I know, he said. We're doing everything we can. I don't know what else to say. Cole shook his head. I'm sorry, Al, but... He looked all around, the unwanted, some weakened nails sprawled on the ground, others grumbling in small groups, and still others lining the shore trying desperately to catch fish, with little success. This place is starting to remind me of the ancient sector. Somebody's got to step up here. Fast. And it's obviously not you. Cole didn't say it, but it was implied. Alex felt the hopelessness of it all, putting him down. And at the same time, a wave of reckless anger rushed up from his collarbone, and he threw his hands up in the air. Well, maybe you should be in charge then. I never wanted this job, you know. His mouth twisted against his will. What do you want me to do anyway? What exactly does everybody expect me to do? Cole's eyes widened in alarm. Alex, he began. It's not my fault this happened, Alex said. It's Mr. Today's fault. How, his voice quavered with pent-up anger. How could he have done this to us? To all of us? How could he have left Artemis so, so unstable? That would disappear if he died. Calm down, Alex. But Alex wouldn't stop, even though he couldn't believe his horrible thoughts, his sharp words against their beloved mage. Don't tell me to calm down. This is not a calm situation. Answer me. I'm serious. What kind of leader would do that? Do you think he was invincible? Alex was horrified at himself for asking the questions that had been plaguing him, but he felt helpless to stop them. And now I'm the one who's supposed to fix it? I'm, like, practically still a kid. It's so not okay that he left me with this. It's a disaster, he cried. It's not fair. He gripped Cole's arm and shook it. Can you see what I'm saying? I'm saying I just can't fix this. I can't. I tried, I'm trying, and I'll keep trying. But as of right now, I can't figure it out, okay? Cole just stood there, color rising to his cheeks. Then he deliberately removed Alex's hand from his arm, stepped back, and wiped his sleeve. Okay, he said, his voice cold. 
He turned to his friends, who had stopped complaining long enough to listen. Cole nodded in the direction of the entrance to Quill and started walking away. To his friends, he said, Come on, guys, I know where we can get some food. Alex's mouth dropped open. Whoa, he said. Wait, seriously? You're going to be slaves to them again? You're disgusting. He kicked the cracked earth and spun around. Cowards, I can't believe this. Whatever, Alex, Quill called over his shoulder. He went through the gate, the others following him into Quill. Alex raked his fingers through his hair and cursed under his breath. Now he was driving people away. Eight. Exodus. Not far away in the yard, next to Jim the winged tortoise, stood Skye, on a break from stacking stiff lifeless bebops, watching her new friend Alex fall apart. When she escaped from the warbler, she never once imagined that she would find a place where things were actually worse than what she'd endured. She took a few steps through the crowd toward Alex, thinking she might be able to offer some comfort. When she saw Karina Fathom walk up to him, Skye admired Karina's pixie haircut and spunky style. But she slowed and then stopped when she saw Karina's face, which looked very serious. Alex, Karina said, looking up at him. She held young Seth on one hip and a knapsack over the other shoulder. Alex turned an almost bewildered look on his face. Oh, hi, he said. What's up? She took a deep breath. Alex, I'm sorry. He frowned. Why? Because I, we, need to go. I'm sorry. She pinched her lips together and didn't look away. We're going, leaving. The color drained from Alex's face. He looked away quickly and took in a sharp breath, letting it out slowly through pursed lips. He squeezed his eyes shut and then opened them again and looked back at the young woman. You're leaving, he nodded a little too swiftly looking at the baby. Of course you are. You have to. He absently reached out and smoothed the listless baby's hair. It was damp with sweat. Alex dropped his arm like lead to his side. To your mother's, I suppose, he mused almost to himself. No, she's, you know, back in the palace and I... Of course, Alex murmured. I, how could I forget? I've changed my name, you know, Karina blurted out. Oh? To Holiday. Karina Holiday, that is. I mean, I can't, I won't have her name anymore. I see. His words are feeble, like unstable puffs of air. A bit ironic, that name, he said, looking past Karina now to the sea. Holiday, day of the purge and all that. It's, yes it is, intentionally so. She shifted the baby higher on her hip. Alex looked at her again as if he was finally seeing her. Can I help you? Carry something, I mean? I'm sorry, I should have... No, she said quickly, shaking her head. I'm used to it. I just... I should go. Alex nodded. Well, he opened his lanky arms awkwardly and hugged her. Karina patted his back. I'm sorry, she said again. He shook his head and gave her a smart smile. Don't. It's okay. Thank you for everything. I mean it. I'll be back. I know. They stood face to face a moment longer, and then Karina nodded once. Okay, then. She hesitated a second more, and then set off. You'll figure it out, you know. The clue, she called over her shoulder. You will, I'm sure of it. Goodbye for now, brave Alex Stowe, she grinned. Alex nodded. He lifted his hand. Goodbye, Karina Holiday. He watched her go. As she reached the gate, she paused, turned once again, and tilted her head. I don't think it's the islands, she called. And then she shrugged and smiled. For whatever that's worth. With that, she disappeared around the wall. When Alex's shoulders slumped and he turned away, dead-eyed, Skye was there. Nine. At the Palace Gate. 
The high priest Aaron donned his inherited black robe and made his way down the long driveway to the portcullis. He was flanked by four guards who carried rusty, spear-like weapons in case the necessaries acted up. The workers stood waiting with shovels, picks, and some makeshift equipment. Release the lock, Aaron said to the guards. Without so much as a glance in the necessaries outside the gate, Aaron motioned to them and said, Follow me. One of Aaron's guards unlocked the gate, and the necessary streamed in. Aaron led them up to the drive to the 40-foot wall outside his palace office window. I want you to make a hole through the wall here, like a large doorway, he said, as tall and wide as a door to the palace. He turned and looked at the dim-witted necessaries to see if they understood. When he got to the last of them, his jaw slacked, and he paled a shade, or perhaps two, but only someone who knew him well would have noticed. He held the unblinking man's gaze for a moment, and then nodded slightly and turned back to the first one. Are you in charge here? He barked. Y yes, Associate High Priest, the man said. High Priest Aaron, corrected one of the guards. The necessary nodded, saying nothing. Well, Aaron said impatient, do you understand? Do you have any questions? The man was so flustered he didn't say a word. No, Aaron continued. Fine, then. You'll work until it's dark. He didn't wait for the man to respond. Instead, Aaron gathered his cloak, whipping it around with a flourish, and stomped away to the palace. Secretary, he yelled, even before he'd fully made it inside. Secretary! There was a scuffle of shoes on the echoing steps. A moment later, Eva Fathom rounded the corner and nearly bumped into Aaron. Yes, she said a bit breathless. Where did you find these workers? Well, logically, I went to the ancient sector. The workers there have shovels and other tools, and they are accustomed to that sort of hard work. Is there a problem? Aaron narrowed his eyes at the woman, never quite sure if he could trust her. And did you not ask them their names? I only spoke to the one in charge. He rounded up the others. She held her chin steady and didn't look away. Aaron studied her face for a long moment. Then he nodded his acceptance of her story. That's all for now, he said. He pushed past her and went to his office, closing the door firmly, leaving Eva Fathom tapping her lips. Aaron hung up his cloak and went to the window once more, looking out over the driveway at the men, who stood measuring and marking off a doorway on the wall, using spit and dust, and then taking their tools and whacking them against the wall. The one man in particular seemed to be pounding especially hard. He reached out of the pile of tools and found a thin piece of metal, shoving it into the crack between two blocks of cement. He picked up a mallet, pulled back, and pounded the piece of metal with all his might, over and over until the block began to move. The others, including the leader of the party, watched for a moment and then followed his example. Aaron frowned and hollered once again, Secretary! But this time there was no answer. Instead, he saw Eva Fathom climb into the backseat of a quilletary vehicle, which choked and slowly chugged its way down the hill, belching black smoke at the men, who had managed to remove a few blocks. Aaron's attention turned to the beautiful view of the water through the hole in the wall, and he wondered once again how in the world Justine could have wanted to hide Quill from that. A prick of fear nodded him. There had to be a reason. Eva Fathom in the backseat of the rusty old vehicle bounced along with a hint of smile on her wrinkled lips, having quite possibly heard the high priest's last bellow, but dodging it all the same. She had better jobs to do than run around chasing after things for a teenage boy. The driver soon pulled up to the Luuki house, and the smile left Eva's face. She got out of the vehicle, went to the door, and opened it without knocking. She went inside. Good morning, Bethesda. Liam. She spoke more loudly than she needed to. How are the prisoners today? Not trying anything tricky, I hope. She rounded the corner to Luki's old office. Is Claire Morning giving you any trouble in the pantry? She called out. Bethesda frowned in Liam's direction. I'll go quieter down, Liam said, standing up. She's old, must be getting deaf, he whispered. He caught up to Eva in the short hallway. No, he said to Eva, she's fine. 
Too weak by now to try anything? Eva said, almost as a question. I suppose so. Tisk, Eva shook her head and leaned toward Liam, lowering her voice. I can't say that I understand why we're keeping them trapped like this. We should either kill them or let them go. She looked at the man. Don't you agree? I, he shrugged, noncommittal. Do you think we should kill them then? Eva looked at him for a long moment, trying to gauge his loyalties. If anything were going to cave in, it would be him. He shifted his weight uncomfortably and looked away, and Eva had her answer. Ten. Finding the Dots The clue from Mr. Today became a song in Alex's head, and even though music was still new and wonderful to Alex, this clue became the kind of annoying song that sometimes gets stuck in his brain and left him wishing he could forget it. Trying to get some sleep on the hard ground, Alex couldn't get the words out of his head, so at last he got up, picked his way to Florence, and climbed up to the roof. Seeing Ranger was already there. Hey, Alex said. Seen offered a bleak smile. You okay? He had heard about the Karina holiday leaving them. Alex was quiet for a moment, and then he said, Sometimes I don't know if we're going to make it. Yeah, I know, Seen said. Karina will be back, though. Deep down, Alex thought that Karina would probably not be back at all. Does she have any other family out there? He asked, meaning Quill. No. Seen pulled a thin, whittled stick from his pocket and began to clean his teeth. You knew her husband, Seth, was killed in the first battle, didn't you? Before the baby was born. He's named for his father. Alex looked at Seen. I... I didn't know her then. He wondered about it, but Karina never spoke of the past or about the baby's father, so Alex assumed she didn't want to talk about it. Now Alex felt even more terrible. She's a really strong person, Seen said. I admire her. I remember her from Quill. She's just a few years ahead of me, you know. When she was purged, she had this look on her face like she was going to get revenge on everybody one day. Alex laughed softly. I can believe that. She'll do it, too. Alex nodded. I remember that when my name was announced. I wanted to be like her. You are, in a lot of ways. Seen shrugged. Thanks. The song played in Alex's head during the silence that followed, and he recalled Karina's parting words. She said she doesn't think the dots were the islands. Seen was quiet for a long moment. Well, she has really good instincts. She might be right. He glanced at the wall, where two days' worth of effort stacking the creatures had gotten them nearly to the top of it. I reckon I'll continue the project, though. Yes, definitely. We don't have anything else to go on. Just then a face peeked over the edge of the roof. Alex smiled. Come on up, he said. We're just talking. Sky climbed up and sat next to Alex. All three lay on their backs or rested on their elbows, staring at the night sky. Scene frowned. Do you think the dots... Alex looked at him. What? Scene sat up, peering intently at the sky. Do you think the dots are the stars? Sky sat up too. Alex shook his head. I thought about that, but the sky is always changing. The stars don't stay in the same place all the time. So if we're supposed to follow a line of stars, how will we know what time of night to do it? Or what time of the year they would all line up in the right part of the sky? Oh, good point, Scene sighed. The silent girl slumped. What if the dots weren't actually, you know, outside, Scene asked. What do you mean? Are there any dots in the shack, like on the walls or anything? Seen leaned back on his elbows. Um, not that I've noticed. Believe me, I looked everywhere. I see dots swimming in front of my eyes constantly. Sky sat up again and stared out across the sea. Something in Artemis, maybe? Alex was quiet, considering that. he dismissed the idea once before, but now he couldn't remember why. I don't know, he mused. Maybe. Like what? He pictured the lounge, the theater, the mansion, the library... Books could be dots, maybe, but then he shook his head. No, Mr. Today would have been more clever with this clue if it had been books. Maybe there was something in his office. 
Alex felt a sharp pang of sadness. If Sam Heed were here, he said, he might remember. But no one else remaining had ever set foot in Mr. Today's office, as far as Alex knew. Not even Mr. Appleblossom. It was depressing. What about the black and white tiles in the entrance to the mansion? Or statues in the hallways? Or... Alex slapped his forehead. No, now I remember why I didn't think the dots were inside Artemis. It's because we can't magnify or focus on anything that doesn't exist, which seems to be our biggest dead end. Right, C muttered. Sorry, I'm not thinking straight. They lapsed into their thoughts. Skye closed her eyes, thinking hard, and then her lids popped open and she turned toward Alex and gripped his leg. He looked at her, alarmed. What is it? Her hands flew into the air, speaking a language Alex didn't know. Whoa, he said. Slow down. But Skye wasn't slowing. Her face was wildly animated, her golden-orange eyes bright, her actions exaggerated, all indicating that something very important was happening, but Alex couldn't figure it out. I'm sorry, he said. I'm sorry, I can't understand. He bit his lip frustrated in the glance at Scene. Any idea? No, Scene said quietly, his eyes intent on the girl. But now she's getting frustrated with us. Skye rolled her eyes and gripped her hair, pulling her head down to her bent knees, shaking her head from side to side. Finally, she sat up and faced the two. She took a deep breath and then calmly held up a hand, first to Alex, then to Scene. Stay here, Alex guessed. The silent girl nodded wildly. Okay, Alex said, relieved to have gotten something right. We'll stay here. Skye pointed to herself, then pointed away, then pointed to herself again, then at the roof. She's going to leave and come back, Alex interpreted. Right? The silent girl rewarded Alex with a beautiful smile that made his stomach flip. She touched her nose and pointed at him, nodding. And then, after one more reminder to the boys to stay put, she scrambled down Florence to the ground. Eleven. A little help. Sky returned a few minutes later, just as the eastern edge of the morning sky turned orange. She was carrying something on her shoulder, gripping it tightly with one hand as she maneuvered her way up the statue. Alex reached down to help her up. She held the miniature mansion that she'd found the first day, a replica of the true mansion, and she handed it to him with pride. Oh! Alex turned and took it, careful not to tip it. Did I ever show you this? He asked Scene. Sky found it on our first day here inside the cupboard in the shack. I think it's a model that Mr. Today made as he was planning what Artemis would look like. Can't you just picture him sculpting this little miniature mansion and dreaming about creating it? Scene squinted in the dark. Sweet, he said under his breath. He looked into the windows, opened and closed the doors. There's a mini Florence and a mini Simber, he said with a hint of glee in his voice. And look, a Pratoplot wandering the hallway. This is the best toy ever. The silent girl waved her hand in front of their faces. They looked up. She stared at them as if they were stupid, then pointed to the mini mention. She tapped the air several times and shrugged. Dots? Oh, now we can see if there are any dots in it. I get it. Alex smiled at Skye. Good idea. He said it almost like it was a silly thought, like the girl had made a big deal out of nothing. She glared at Zine and Alex explored the miniature, pointing out the tubes in the giant kitchen and their mouths watering at the thought of all the food they could eat if only they had Artemis back. They stared at the black and white squares on the floor, but decided they weren't really dot-like. A steady, growing light filled the skies, and the sleeping unwanteds began to stir. After a few minutes, Zine yawned and stretched, saying it was his turn to sleep inside the shack on the sofa, and he wasn't about to give that up luxury. After Zine was gone, Alex looked at Sky, his eyelids heavy from lack of sleep. Thanks for finding this, he said. I didn't really see any dots, though, but it was a good idea. He'd set the model mansion on a flat part of the roof and lay down next to it. I'm going to try and grab an hour of sleep here before it gets hot, he mumbled, and he closed his eyes. The silent girl frowned. She watched the sunrise, the words of Mr. Today's clue running through her head. 
She crawled over to the little mansion and looked inside. She didn't see any dots either. Alex groaned in his sleep. The girl watched him for a moment. His clothes were ragged and dusty, his face smudged with dirt, his hair in a tangled nest of dark brown curls. His chest rose and fell, rose and fell. He was finally getting some rest. Maybe it would help him think more clearly. The girl reached out a tentative hand and pushed aside a lock of his hair that had fallen in his face. And then she closed her eyes and made a wish for him to receive every good thing he needed to save his people and himself. When she opened her eyes, she was struck by another thought. A thought so simple she was surprised that no one had come up with it yet. She bit her lip as she mentally reviewed the clue, and she came to the same conclusion as before. And so it was that Skye climbed down Florence with an idea and went in search of the two people who would be the most helpful to her. Twelve. Magnify, focus, everyone. Alex had tried not to spend much time thinking about Sam, Heat, and Lonnie. Everything in front of him was desperate enough to keep him barely able to function. Thinking about them, knowing he could do nothing to save them, would only put him over the edge. He had lots to do before he could get there, so he chose to concentrate on one thing at a time. But his dreams didn't care for that logic. He fell hard into crazy dreams of them. Dreams of Lonnie and how nice his skin felt when she touched his arm. And then she turned around and cast a nasty spell on him, forcing him to fall face first into his soup while the walls of Quill crumbled around him. Dreams of Sam Heaton and working together to take down Quill, leaders with magic spells, followed by an angry Sam Heaton shoving Alex into a glass partition in Mr. Today's mostly secret hallway, the glass shattering and giving Alex a thousand cuts, the noise ringing out. He startled awake, breathing hard, and sat up, trying to get his bearings. Sweat dripped down his cheek from where it had been planted against his forearm. He took in a deep breath and let it out slowly, his stomach cramping from hunger and his heart aching from missing his friends. He longed for the safety of Mr. Today's office, hidden from most of the world, unlike here where he was surrounded by people every second of every day. The song in his head started again. Follow the dots, follow the dots, follow the dots. It was more frustrating than he could ever have imagined. Mr. Today, please, he muttered, please help me out here. Where are your ridiculous dots? And just as he said it with such a fashion, thinking of them as Mr. Today's dots rather than the world's dots, it struck him like a magical glass wall to the face. His office, he muttered, his eyes darting left and right as he pictured it. Dots. Mr. Today's dots. He scrambled to look at the miniature mansion and lifted the roof clean off so he could stare into Mr. Today's office unhindered. And there on the walls they were. Only they were the tiniest replicas of already tiny dots grouped together. So tiny they could hardly be seen. And instead of masses of dots looked like blobs. That hideous artwork, he whispered, remembering how he'd noticed the odd series of paintings while waiting for Mr. Today. The words rang true and sounded right and solid in his head, and he said it again louder. That hideous artwork! It's the artwork! Great protuberating conch shells! With a shaky hand, Alex reached into the office and tried carefully to pluck one of the dark paintings from the wall, but it was stuck fast. He pulled his hand back and looked around the room. There were five paintings with unattractive dot designs, all hanging on one wall. Clever beast, Alex said. But what am I supposed to do with them? As he lay on his stomach peering in Mr. Today's office, he heard a noise at the edge of the roof. Sky, Crow, and Henry Haluki clambered up. Sky had a wide grin on her face and pointed to Henry. Hi, guys, Alex said. I don't have time for games right now. I think I... I... He stopped speaking when he saw the silent girl's fiery glare. I mean... Alex, Henry said. Sky figured out part of your clue, and I'm the only one who can help you. He grinned slyly. Magnify. Because remember, I have this... From his trouser pocket, he pulled his magnifying glass. 
one of the few items that had transported unarmed from Artemé when the world had disappeared, because it had been in Henry's pocket during that time. It had been handy for starting fires, and now it was going to be even more useful. Alex's jaw slacked, but Henry kept talking. I didn't think about it when the dots were on islands, because obviously, he said with a bit of swagger, this glass can't work from so far away. But Sky thought there was more to this little mansion, so do you want me to start magnifying things? Alex stared at the magnifying glass, and then he looked at the silent girl. He felt the corners of his lips tug into a wispy smile as he processed the news. Just before you got here, I figured out what the dots are, he said. He shook his head. I can't believe I didn't think of it earlier. The clue is totally literal. The dots aren't islands or stars or trees. They're dots. They're actual pictures of dots. He pointed at the office wall, and you guys just figured out the next part. He grinned like a maniac. Henry reluctantly handed over the magnifying glass. I guess you know what you're looking for. Alex took it and gripped the boy's shoulders. This is all thanks to you, Henry. He looked up at Skye and winked. She blushed. Alex held the magnifying glass up and leaned toward the first painting, his hands quivering. He moved the glass until he could see just the dots as he remembered them, and then he blinked. Okay, he said. I magnified, I focused, and... I see dots. He looked over at the others. Now what? The two silenced and Henry looked at one another and back at Alex. All three shrugged. Aren't there any clues? Henry asked. I don't see any, just see dots. Well, try the next one. Alex looked in the next painting the same way. Again, he saw dots and nothing more. He moved on to the next and the next, until he had magnified and focused on all of them. They're all just dots, he said. They aren't in any shape or anything. They're just random. Let me see, Henry said. Maybe you're doing it wrong. He grabbed the glass and peered into it. Yeah, Alex said sarcastically. You're probably right. You have to really know how to use one of those things. Skye laughed, her shoulders shaking. Alex made a face at her and then reluctantly laughed too. Henry went through the same procedure as Alex, growing more and more perturbed. There's nothing there, he declared after a while. Thanks a lot, Aristotle, Alex said. Henry proceeded to magnify everything else in Mr. Today's office and in all the other rooms and hallways. The floors, walls, ceilings, staircases, and even statues. It took him well over a quarter of an hour to declare that there were no clues whatsoever hidden in the miniature mansion. Crow poked Henry in the ribs. He looked bored. He pointed to the shack and raised an eyebrow. Henry shrugged and nodded. Can I hold on to your magnifying glass for a bit? Alex asked. Henry considered the request, looking doubtful, but then Skye clasped her hands on Henry's and offered up a pleading smile. Oh, all right, he said. He gave it to Alex. Don't break it. Yes, boss, Alex said, ruffling the younger boy's hair, and then he pretended to drop it. Henry glared, but then Crow tugged at his shirt, and off they went, Crow signing rapidly to his sister, to which she nodded her approval, and Alex and Skye were alone once more. Alex sighed heavily. We're back to having nothing. He wiped sweat off his forehead with his sleeve, and then he looked over his shoulder at Warble Island. His recent dreams had him thinking of his friends more urgently than ever. After a minute, he turned back to the girl and squeezed his eyes shut to stop them from burning, pressing his finger into the corners as if that would hide and defeat them. He shook his head and whispered into his hands, I honestly don't know how much more of this I can take. Thirteen. Patience. After the wave of emotion passed, Alex looked up at Skye. Sorry about that, he said with a crooked smile. Apparently you're the only one who gets to see the real me. After a moment he hung his head. Sorry I didn't take you seriously at first. That was not very cool of me. The silent girl's lips twitched. She moved closer and took Alex's hand, and for a moment he forgot to breathe. Without the gain, he brushed his finger across her cheek, wiping away a smudge of dust. 
You're pretty awesome, he said, saying it made him feel like a dolt, but she didn't laugh. She blinked and looked down as the blush rose to her cheeks. He didn't know why she made him feel so weird. Maybe because she seemed to understand so well all the anxiety he was feeling, all the responsibility, and the pain, too. Whatever it was about her was starting to make him act like a total dork. Maybe it was because he liked her both as a friend and as a girl. Kind of like Lonnie, only this girl was. His eyes sprang open, and he pulled his hand from hers. What was he doing? What would Megan think if she saw him holding hands with Skye? How could he do that when Lonnie was out there somewhere, probably suffering? A couple of days ago, he didn't even know this girl's name. He scrambled to pick up the magnifying glass. Uh, here, Alex said, shoving it at her. You want to try? She looked startled for a moment, and perhaps a bit annoyed, but then nodded and took it. Kneeling, she magnified one of the pictures, then another and another, concentrating harder on each one, but nothing came of it. Finally, on the fourth picture, she really looked at the dots. Was there something they weren't seeing? She gazed at the picture for several moments, looking at the pattern of the colors of various sizes of the dots. Some were open circles, and others were solid, filled in. She let her mind wander and kept her gaze unwavering, and then she reeled back and almost dropped the glass. What? What is it? Did you see something? I'll script her shoulder, nothing but business now. She nodded. She tried to trace what she had seen on the palm of her hand, but gave up and instead waved to Alex to slide in next to her, which he did. She held up a finger, squeezed his shoulders, and wiped a hand across his furrowed brow, trying to tell him to relax. She breathed in and out, then tapped his chest so he would do it too. Okay, okay, I get it. I need to be calm. I was watching you, you know. Skye nodded and held up the glass to the fourth painting. She pointed two fingers to her eyes, then to the painting, encircling it to indicate that he should focus on the big picture, not just the center of it. Got it, he said. He took a deep breath, let it out, and gazed calmly at the picture. He let his eyes blur just slightly as he looked at the dots. He noticed they were all different sizes, and some were solid color while others were just rings. He stared and stared, and when the girl next to him shifted and her shoulder brushed against his, he stopped thinking about how important it was to get this clue and started thinking about what would it feel like to kiss a girl on the lips. Not that he would ever would, but maybe someday. And then he wondered if she thought he was cute, even though he really was a mess after weeks of cleaning up in seawater. And then without even realizing it, before his very eyes, the dots began to shiver and move. Alex was so startled that he gasped and stopped relaxing, and the dots went back to the way they were. Bricks and mortar, he cried. Something almost happened. He focused again. The girl gripped his knee excited, and that was enough to distract poor Alex in such a way that the dots began to shimmer and move again very soon. He stayed very still, and within seconds all the purple dots had moved to form letters, and the letters solidified and popped out from the painting one at a time, kind of like a 3D door when you finally get it right. It was almost as if Alex could reach out and grab the letter blocks. But the most hopeful and exciting thing happened when the letters stopped popping because they twirled around like they were dancing and they rearranged themselves until the letters spelled a word and that word was breathe.